0: Welcome to the Future of Business Finance podcast, where we speak to finance industry leaders and experts in the field about the major challenges they're facing in today's business environment. In today's podcast, we speak to Jeremy Gray, principal at the CFO Center, about why the AP process shouldn't be overlooked in approving a company's bottom line. Discretionary spend has become more top of mind for many CFOs, and we speak a little bit about why that is. Now, it was fun talking to Jeremy because he has a real passion for helping SMEs succeed by applying business best practices. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, well, uh, welcome. Hi, I'm Jonah Kim. Uh, You're listening to the Future of Business podcast. It's a limited series where we spend a little time talking to finance leaders and get their views on what's uh, impacting finance and business today. Now, you know, I've saw some stats recently um, where we see that finance executives um and this research shows that 77% of finance executives are actually halting all discretionary spending. And this is to help them manage cash flow. And this actually, you know, points to potentially a new area that's, you know, prime for efficiency gains. So today we have a special guest his name is Jeremy Gray. He's a principal at CFO Center and also a regular radio host at the International Growth Radio Network. Now, Jeremy has over 35 years of C-level and senior management experience in MNCs across all major regions. And most recently, he's been focused on helping SMEs and new entrepreneurs grow and scale their business. So, Jeremy, thanks for being with us uh, today. I appreciate you having, uh, being, spending your time with
1: us. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like before we dive into today's topic of, you know, actually like exploring, you know, this particular area, um, can you share a little bit more about how you ended up at the CFO Center um, as well as, you know, being
1: the host of your own radio show? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that, Jonah. Um, I started my career in the United Kingdom. I've worked most of my career with a single American multinational. Um I was on the finance side in the UK and then in 1993 moved to the United States, primarily in general management, where I ran a mining operation in South Carolina and a chemicals company in Milwaukee. And in 2006, came out to Singapore to start up the Asia-Pacific Division uh, for that company. Um, I came out on a typical 15-month assignment. 15 years later, I'm still here. Um, whilst I worked for that MMC, I, I was the CFO and COO of the uh, Asia-Pacific Division, Japan, down to Australia, New Zealand, and out to India. Um, but as my career progressed, uh, I realized that retirement was not something I was looking forward to. Um, but I also recognized that corporate life probably couldn't go on forever. So seven years ago, I joined the CFO Center uh, with the aim of developing a consulting business using uh, the CFO Center as my base. Um, and, and because I had a, a passion and a desire to help SMEs. Um, I've done that for seven years now. I have now retired from my uh, corporate life. I'm focused on being a, a consultant uh, to smaller companies. Uh, and in November last year, I got the opportunity to join uh, IBGR, International Business Growth Radio, as, as a host for their show, an introduction from a fellow CFO down in Australia. And I started that in November, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, so you're a natural, right? <laughs> <laughs> I get a little better as time goes by.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's just one of the points, like just your extensive background, your experience working with MNCs, as well as, you know, helping entrepreneurs and SMEs in this region, across all regions, actually, is one of the reasons we wanted to have you on this uh, podcast because you, you know, lend a breath of experience and probably some of the things that you've helped businesses with, you can probably shed some light on today. Um, so in terms of... Um, You know, these are challenge times that we're, we're in currently. So are there any common challenges that, you know, that you can highlight for us that, you know, finance leaders are facing, you know, across the organizations that you've been helping recently?
1: Well, Joan, I mean, the strength of your balance sheet has always been critical for any company. Um, the day you run out of cash is the day your business closes. And and it's always been important that you have a strong balance sheet. The stronger the balance sheet, the better you can weather downturns in your business, unexpected events. COVID-19, of course, has highlighted that significantly. And I think that's why you're finding a lot of companies are now focused on um, preserving cash uh, and improving the state of their balance sheet.
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I I mentioned that stat earlier where it said 77% of finance executives that were surveyed, they're actually halting all discretionary spending. Do you see that to be actually a common theme, you know, in these organizations that you're working with as well?
1: I've got to say, because my clients tend to be entrepreneurial, um, we already manage discretionary spending fairly tightly already. And I don't think... In my experience, that's maybe a little high high percentage. Um, eliminating all discretionary spending, seventy seven percent, but certainly the focus on the balance sheet and, and cash is critical for any company. And I'm sure that's why that sort of statistic uh, is is in the marketplace because people are really focused on making sure their company can survive. What well, an uncertain future. We we don't know what's going to happen. We're all praying COVID is going to go away, but. Yeah. It's gone on a lot longer than I expected it to.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, when we're talking about the, uh, you know, balancing uh, the balance sheet, essentially, you know, like we're leading into something, you know, the AP right. the accounts payable team, right? So, and this has traditionally not been maybe a focus area for CFOs, you know, in terms of controlling cash or increasing their spend. So like, why is this now
1: coming up and why is this something that's relevant? Well, I think there are a number of reasons for that. First of all, when I think about working capital, I consider it a necessary evil, right? You, you have to have working capital um, to run your business, uh, but that's capital that's tied up, that's not available for other things. It's not available for productive uh, investment. It's not available to pay your staff, and, and therefore managing working capital is important. I think in manufacturing-type companies that are producing physical goods, much more time is spent on credit control, making sure your customers are paying you, managing your inventory. And accounts payable tends to be sort of left to the side. You know, the general way they manage accounts payable is just to delay payment, not pay your customers on time. Yeah, And that's really not a great strategy, right? If you Mm -hmm. delay it too long, you're going to upset your customers. They're then going to Consider you a bad customer, the level of services will go down, you'll go down to the bottom of the queue when it comes to priority deliveries. So it's not really the best way to manage that. I think another reason why accounts payable is becoming more focused is companies these days, particularly if you're in an e commerce situation, you may not have any inventory. If your manufacturers are drop shipping to your customers, you're not holding inventory. Yeah. If your customers are paying you when they place the order, you don't have accounts receivable. The only element of working capital you have left is your accounts payable. I doubt there's any business that exists today that doesn't owe people money. Mm -hmm. And therefore the accounts payable, particularly for those kind of companies, is the only working capital element they have.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it that way, but yeah, that that sounds like it makes sense. Um, So in terms of the challenges and some of the trends. I, I know there's like things happening in you know uh, the trends across technology or the way that you know organizations are starting to rethink the way they process accounts. So, what are some of these things that you're seeing uh, emerging uh, lately
1: in terms of the way you process accounts payable? Yeah. Uh, accounts payable, as I say, tends to be secondary and tends to use fairly basic systems. And that's not really uh, to the advantage of a company. Um, I'm a great believer that every business system has advantages beyond the actual system itself. I mean, if we we take an example of, of an automated accounts payable system, it's going to give you a lot of information beyond managing your accounts payable. It's going to help you Improve the efficiency of your department, right? You can start tracking things like how long does it take me to process an invoice, how much does it cost me to process an invoice, what's my processing rate per employee, and it gives you some metrics to improve. It also can spit out some information, which is very useful for your procurement team, for in, for example. If you're tracking the number of defects in an invoice, and and you, there are some statistics say about one in five, one in six invoices have a defect. On them right you know they don't what do you mean by what do you mean by defect yeah good question they don't they don't quote the accounts uh, purchase order right uh, they, okay. they 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 have a wrong price right they have a wrong quantity yeah. they have the wrong bank accounts on it. it's that kind of defect and and if you can take that information out of a automated system and provide it to your procurement team a couple of things it become part of the supplier ranking right as a supplier you're letting us down in this area And if they can drive that to improve the performance, it's going to make your accounts payable process work much more efficiently. So I I think moving away from basic systems to looking at accounts payable as part of the procurement process delivers many advantages to any company.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's That makes sense. Like, have you – like, are there any examples of organizations where you've worked with that you've seen – them apply these types of changes and, you know, that's led to, you know,
1: improvements in their, in their business process? Well, certainly working for the multinational that I, I work for, we had an automated um, process yeah. system. And one of the advantages that it gives is total control, right? Um, for instance, if you're linking your accounts payable with an e-procurement system, you can control the process from order to pay. The whole way through. And there are many advantages in that. Let's take an example. Um, If you don't have this sort of automated process, and I've been guilty of this myself, I must admit. I want to buy something. I'm working for an American multinational. I pick up the phone. I talk to the supplier and say, hey, send me this, right? There's no order. There's no control. I've made a a, a decision. And by the time the goods arrive, right, it's too late to do anything about it, right? The company has incurred that liability, By bringing the whole system together, you bring in that control and you bring in PRs and POs and you avoid the problems of basically unauthorized purchases. And unauthorized purchases eat up cash and yeah,
0: be it's, well, I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer, but at the same time, I know there's probably going to be organizations that haven't, you know, actually fully automated their process or have even thought about this as a priority. So, like, what would you say to some of these uh, organizations where you know they've been doing things uh, the um, I don't know if it's a traditional way, but maybe more of a manual, paper-based way? Like, why you know it's been working for them? What do you What would you say to these people?
1: Well, uh, we're talking here to small businesses, and um, one of the common points of failure I see in small businesses is when they come to set scale up, their systems cannot cope, mm. right? And in my radio show, I talked a couple of weeks ago about a company called Baroo. Um, Baru was a pet care company in, in based out of Boston, uh, close to where I used to live. And they started by using a off-the-shelf scheduling app, and, and it fell down and it failed. Oh, right? Right. <laughs> um, and another company, um, dotton and, Dot and & Bow, again, a startup that had initial success and failed, and they failed because their ERP system couldn't keep up. So you may be a small business, and investing in systems probably doesn't seem a very high priority now, hmm. but you have to be ready for when you grow that you have a system that's capable of, of co- coping with the expansion that you're hoping to achieve, right, as a small business. You're hoping to grow, yeah. uh, and, and, and your system has to be able to grow with you. Yeah. And, um, you know, a company I worked for in, in Bangkok, relatively small company, Um but they used a fairly powerful ERP system because they had that vision, that vision for the future for when they grew. So um, investing in systems may seem a little bit of a waste of your money, but it's going to stand you in good stead as your company grows. So okay. uh, an Excel just doesn't cut it. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah definitely not scalable, right? Um, yeah. So, uh,
0: you know, in terms of for those that, you know, for those leaders or those entrepreneurs that are looking to scale and grow and or maybe just looking to transform their process, like what's the advice that you would
1: give for them? How how do they get started with this? Well, look, any sort of company-wide system, let's talk about an ERP system, it's difficult to install. It's not easy. It takes time and it takes effort. So do take the time to make sure you select the one that's the right for your company. Um, If you have no ERP or systems installation experience, hire somebody who can help you. There are plenty of people out there who've, Got that experience in hiring them out as consultants. Uh, But I'm going to go back to my, my, my first point is think about what you want to be in the future and plan for that and implement a system that's going to allow you to achieve your objectives.
0: Yeah. Sounds like good advice. Okay. So I have some questions, uh, some final questions I want to wrap up with here. So, you know, um, you know, just kind of moving away from just the topic overall of just AP in general, but, um, when you began your career or like maybe, you know, not even began, but, you know, working through your long career in finance and supporting businesses, what are some things that
1: you wish you knew now that you didn't know then? (laughs) That's a a very good question. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, When we installed the first computer system, it was a system called Kalos. It's probably no longer exists. I'm going back a long time. And when we first brought it on, I really wanted to go back to the manual systems because I could find things quicker using the manual systems. I think what I should have known then and wish I had known then is the importance of data integrity. Right? Mm -hmm. It's very critical that your data is of good quality. Yeah. Um, automating a poor system just re- results in a poor automated system. Do your groundwork, make sure your data is really strong and maintain it. Um, I've seen too many companies where... It's just not maintained. You know, you, you go to things like who's responsible for this cost center? And it turns out to be an employee who left five years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and so I think data integrity is something that often gets missed, doesn't get maintained. Yeah. And that, that's really what I've learned over the years that yeah. I should have known some years ago. I mean, that kind of connects back to what you said about just the, uh, the defects in invoices
0: and, and, right. and just not having the correct information because, you know, that's, you know, being recorded in some form, right? Which, you know, maybe leads to inaccurate assumptions or an understanding of the business. Um, any other resources, uh, go to resources that you can recommend, uh, that our listeners actually access if they want to learn more about this or, you know, get more insights on this topic?
1: Well, I mean, on this topic, there's there's a lot of information out there yeah. uh, on the internet, and obviously, go to a reputable source. Um, you, you can go to YouTube and get a video. Uh, I listen to a few. That's not where the quality is. You know, <laughs> go, go, go to a reputable source to learn about yeah. about systems. CFO centers not a bad place to go and talk to people who've got experience yeah, sure. in implement, imp, <laughs> <it's> implementing <laughs> systems. You know, and, and uh, uh, certainly that's that's an approach. And you'll find many CFOs who've got experience in implementing systems. But go to people who've got experience, particularly if you're a small company you're about to implement your first major system get someone who can help you.
0: All right. And lastly, for those of you that, uh, for those of uh, our audience members that want to
1: maybe hear more from you or get in touch with you, how can they actually do that? Well, first of all, the simplest way to be quite candid is just Google me. Jeremy Gray, CFO, you'll get a page full of references. Um, Go to my IBGR network, Page, ibgr.network forward slash Jeremy Gray. On there, you'll actually get all the contacts. You'll get my LinkedIn, you'll get my emails, you'll get my business websites, and there's a Candidly app. If you just want to schedule 30 minutes with me, you don't even have to contact me. Just book time through that Candidly app and we'll be talking. Awesome. And your show, I believe,
0: I just want to make sure I I say this correctly. it's every Monday, I believe Singapore time at noon, noon right? That's that right. right. Noon okay. Singapore time. Got yeah, it. Yeah. And then you can also, I believe it's, um, it was titled Practical Solutions to Difficult Problems. That's correct. Okay, so those that want to listen to your show, they can tune in there.
1: They, they can and they can pick it up on podcasts. It's on every, uh, the podcasts are available on your favorite podcast okay. provider.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again very much for joining us today, Jeremy. Um, so once again, this has been the Future of Business podcast. If you haven't tuned into our other episodes, you can check those out in the playlist as well. Um, so thank you so much, and I hope you guys uh, you know uh, enjoyed what you heard today. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Jana.
1: Really enjoyed it.